We are continuing our series called I Believe in Miracles, and we're on to the greatest miracle in the history of the world, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about John the Baptist preparing the way. This week, Resurrection Sunday. People call it Easter. I like Resurrection Sunday, but I'll go with Happy Easter as well. Easter services are the most attended services all year long. It's a big deal as far as the the church calendar goes. The most important services are Holy Week and especially Resurrection Sunday services. Why is that? Because the greatest miracle in the history of the world happened on this day. We remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was an absolute game changer. But let me tell you, This is a big deal in the history of the world, a big deal on the Christian calendar, but there's something even more important for the kingdom of God. And that is the everyday following of the ways of Jesus by the average believer. The everyday just walking in the ways of Christ, of the regular everyday Christian, is more important for the advancement of the kingdom of God than having packed out Easter services by, you know, the Christian calendar, all, none of that even comes close in advancing the kingdom of God compared to the day-by-day faithfulness of the believer. So I encourage you, as we look at the greatest miracle in the history of the world, understand that your effectiveness for the kingdom of God comes from your day-by-day walking with Christ, serving him, living out his teachings and his ways. We serve an amazing God with an amazing plan. God even works out history to mirror human experience. Now, I learned this when I was a fairly new Christian, and we went over the Exodus. And it was the first time I had studied in detail the Exodus. And it was amazing to me how my life was the story of the nation of Israel going from bondage in Egypt all the way into the promised land. I mean, it's the human experience. We all start off bound and, you know, we find ourselves in a place where we're trapped and we're trying to get free, but then the power of God comes into our life. We're able to get free, but then now you got to walk by faith. You see the giants, you can get scared, end up wandering in the desert, but then the time comes where it's time to face the giants and overcome the obstacles and grab hold of the promised land. But even when Israel went into to the promised land. It wasn't a full 100% total victory. They still had uh, different issues going on. And I was just like, man, this is, this is my life. And I think it's a picture of the human experience, the exodus of Israel from Egypt and going into the promised land. And I also believe that this is true for Holy Week. Holy Week is a picture of the human experience, the journey of faith that people take. And I want to talk about that today. As we talk about Resurrection Sunday, I want to take the whole week, look at the four specific days that are most significant. Of course, there's all kinds of stuff that has, you know, that transpired during that week. But we'll look at these four things as kind of highlights. The four days, very significant events that happen during Holy Week are the week before Resurrection Sunday, which is Palm Sunday. This is the triumphal entry where Jesus comes into Jerusalem to be proclaimed king. And then 
We have what they call Monday Thursday, which is the Last Supper. This is Jesus sharing a very intimate meal with his 12 disciples and kind of talking about the most important things he has to say before he's going to be taken from them. Then we have Good Friday, which is the crucifixion, which is Christ going to the cross and his death on the cross. Jesus sacrificed once for all that ushers in the new covenant. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, this is Jesus conquering death through the indestructible life that he has. He has authority to lay down his life and authority to take it up again. That's Resurrection Sunday. So this is an amazing week when you think that all happened from one Sunday to the next. That's amazing what happened almost 2,000 years ago. So the title for this year's Resurrection Sunday service is this. United with Christ, seeing our faith journey through Holy Week. So let's look at these four days and let's look at ourselves through the history that we see in Holy Week. So we're going to start with Matthew chapter 21, the triumphal entry. So Jesus has been teaching For about three years, he's been doing miracles. He's gained an incredible following. He has the the close disciples, but then he's got other disciples as well, a fairly large group. And then, of course, there's the masses that just think Jesus is awesome and they're putting their hope and trust in him. So here we go. Let's read the triumphal entry, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem a week before the resurrection. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this is the triumphal entry. Palm Sunday because people cut palm branches and set them on the road with their coats and everything. So Jesus is riding in on the donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of the king coming into Jerusalem, and everybody's shouting Hosanna, which means save or rescue or savior. Basically, it means this is the one coming from God, Hosanna in the highest heavens, who is going to rescue us. Just like we were rescued by Moses from Egypt, now we will be rescued from the Romans by this prophet from Nazareth named Jesus. So this is the triumphal entry, Jesus coming in to Jerusalem to be made king of the Jews. So how do we see our faith journey in the triumphal entry? Well, I see this as when you accept Jesus as Lord of your life. 
You know, Jerusalem opened their arms wide. They basically rolled out the red carpet in cloak and palm branch form for Jesus to walk down. And this is in our own faith journey where we accept Jesus as the Lord of our life, where we trust him as King and Lord over us. Now, this, of course, is very important, vitally, vitally important for each individual to accept Jesus as Lord of their life, to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want you as the authority over me. I want you as my king. I want you to be the Lord of my life. This is essential, but it is the beginning, really the beginning of your life with Christ. It's being born again, brought into the family of God. You know, Jesus preached the message, repent, like John the Baptist did. And Jesus said, repent and follow me is that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, to realize there is forgiveness of the past. So you don't have to carry that with you, but you can follow Jesus. And this is making Jesus Lord of your life, trusting him as King and Christ. Very important, but we have three more days to talk about. The triumphal entry is when we open our hearts to the Lord and make him king of our lives. Then we have the Last Supper. This is that, again, famous meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, a time where they had a very intimate connection. And about five chapters of the Gospel of John takes place on that day of the Last Supper, where we see all of these conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. All these things are going on in the Gospel of John as recorded from that one day. So about 25% of the Gospel of John is from the day of the Last Supper, that day in Holy Week. And I want to read a section from that. So John 15, 9 through 17, Jesus is speaking and he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So Jesus here, he's sharing his heart with his disciples. He's calling his disciples, his friends, no longer servants, but his friends, because he's letting them in on all of the information. This is a deep personal connection time with Jesus for the 12 disciples. So this last supper is when we get Holy Communion, and it is where Jesus has a deep personal connection with the 12. He's been spending about three years with them. And now this is the the culmination of his time with them where they're at peace and he's able to share whatever he wants to share. 
and he brings them in, washes their feet and calls them his friends. This is a tight relationship that the disciples have with Jesus. How do we see our faith journey in light of the Last Supper? Well, I see this as the close personal relationship that we have with Jesus because we are one of his. We live this life with Jesus and we can have that deep, intimate relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, with the Christ. We can have that relationship. You can pray at three o'clock in the morning and God will hear you. He's always ready, always. We have access to a close, personal relationship with Jesus as one of his. Now, the warning I have with this is don't let familiarity breed contempt like with Judas. Judas was at the Last Supper. He left early because he was offended and he was going to be the one who would betray Jesus. But he was there too. He had a close personal relationship with Jesus, but he didn't understand the value of that close personal relationship. Sometimes if we don't understand our value, we can think, well, if if Jesus wants a close relationship with me, he must not be that important because who am I? Well, turn that thing around. Who are you? Because the creator of the universe wants a relationship with you, a close personal relationship. You must be more important than maybe you realize. God wants a relationship with you. So the Last Supper signifies the deep connection we have with God as we live our lives as one of his. That's the Last Supper. Now, that's Thursday, Monday, Thursday, the Last Supper, that late that night, Jesus is arrested And then we go into the next day, the crucifixion, the cross. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, and we will read the account of the cross from the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 27, starting in verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, who they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. 
About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. If you wonder why Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Read Psalm 22. It will answer all your questions. Well, let's talk about the crucifixion. Jesus' claim to be the king of the Jews brought a death sentence. Caesar was emperor. There can be no king. And so Jesus, the king of the Jews, must be killed. The chief priests brought him to the Romans. The Romans had him crucified, but this was also God's plan. This was beyond the decision of the Romans, beyond the decision of the chief priests. This was the great plan of God to bring a divine sacrifice once for all that all of mankind could be set free from sin by faith, saved by grace through faith. This sacrifice that Jesus made once for all almost 2,000 years ago, is sufficient for you to pay the price for your sin, to make your debt eliminated, bought back, redeemed. It is sufficient for you personally and individually. This is the value that God has placed on your life, on your life here and on your eternity. Jesus has shown you how important you are to him. This also demonstrates the obedience of Christ to his heavenly father, and to the cause of redemption. Jesus had asked, if there's another way, let this cup be taken from me, but not my will, but your will be done, he said to his father. The death on the cross of Jesus shows his submission to the plan of his father and his commitment to the cause of redemption. So how does our faith journey map onto the cross? How do we see our faith journey on the cross? Again, the triumphal entry is receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, trusting in him as your king. The Last Supper is that intimate relationship, that close relationship you have with Jesus. And then the cross, what is the cross? How does that fit in? Let's go to Romans chapter 6 to talk about this. I want to read verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
And this verse five of chapter six of Romans is where the title of the message united with Christ, seeing our faith journey through Holy Week comes from. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So we're, we're looking at Good Friday, the crucifixion of Christ, but we're going to get on to the resurrection here in just a second. So how do we see our faith journey in the cross? Well, we are united with Christ in a death like his. That means that we are committed to the cause of redemption, no matter what the personal sacrifice might be, just like Jesus was. We are submitted to God the Father. We are submitted to God's plan for our life, and we are committed to the cause. And whatever we are expected to sacrifice, we will sacrifice, just like Jesus. Now, what is the normal sacrifice that we must make? We are crucified with Christ. We have been united with him in a death like his. What does that mean? What that means for the majority of people is that we lose our sin and shame, our pointless life, and we lose the the hurt that we cause to other people. Then we go ahead and let the old be crucified with Christ. The old is gone. The new comes. We'll talk about the new here in just a little bit. But what we sacrifice is a life of sin, a life of sin and shame, a life of That's pointless and self-centered and just looking at our own interests and that's it. That's what we sacrifice. We sacrifice putting ourselves first and hurting other people. That's what we sacrifice. That's how we're united with Christ. The body of sin is crucified with Christ that we can live a different life. And you can do that. You can let the old be crucified with Christ. We can be united with him in his death. But hey, Christ crucified is not the end of the story. Just like we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, Christ crucified. That was the message, but that's not the end of the story. There is the resurrection. So let's go to John chapter 20. We'll look at the resurrection of Christ. John chapter 21 through 23. Here's what it says. Early on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went out to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. 
On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, so this is that same Sunday, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So here we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has conquered death. Now, he wasn't just resuscitated. It wasn't that he got better (laughs) and was going to age and die. No, this was a, a full resurrection. Jesus has conquered death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Jesus will not die again. He will live forevermore. Jesus has conquered death. So he shows himself not just to be the political king of the Jews who is going to rescue the nation of Israel from Roman occupation, but he shows himself to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the son of God, who is going to be the savior of all mankind for the whole world. And he sends his disciples out to bring that message to the world. How do we see our faith journey in the resurrection of Christ? Well, Jesus conquered death, not just for himself, But for all who would believe in his name, Jesus conquered death, not just for himself, but for everyone who would trust in him, everyone who would put their faith in him. We can have that same resurrection life, everlasting life. Jesus conquered death, not just for himself, but for all who would believe in his name. Let's go back to Romans chapter six. We'll reread verse five, and then we'll keep going talking about the resurrection. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we can be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The great promise is everlasting life with the Lord in the kingdom of God, the everlasting kingdom of God. Now, come on. This is a promise. (laughs) Everlasting life in the paradise of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We're made part of the royal family. This is amazing. This is why Resurrection Sunday is such a big deal. It's not because Jesus showed himself to be powerful. It's because Jesus showed himself to be powerful enough to bring us along with him to redeem us from sin and make us co-heirs with Christ that we could have everlasting life. This is amazing. Hallelujah for the great plan of redemption. So let's look at Holy Week. Let's just recap these four stages that I believe are stages of our own personal life. We've got the triumphal entry when we receive Jesus as our king. 
We open our hearts to him and we shout Hosanna. You know, we're excited that we have Jesus as the king of our life, as our authority, as our master, as our savior, as our Lord. We follow him. Then that brings us into the last supper, that intimate connection with God, the relationship with the Lord that we have where we can talk with him at three in the morning, lay our burdens at his feet and trust in him, walk by faith. We have that personal relationship with Jesus. Then we have the crucifixion where Jesus laid down his life and we also lay down our lives. We lay down the life of sin crucified with Christ. All the the darkness, the sin and shame, the hurt we do to other people, the selfishness, all that is crucified with Christ and we are made new to live for Christ. And also the submission that Jesus had for the Father's plan, we also are willing to sacrifice of ourselves for the cause of Christ, for the cause of redemption, to bring the broken and hurting world to Jesus, to understand their value in the eyes of God and their purpose. This is what we do. We're willing to sacrifice for that cause. And then we have the hope of the resurrection. We are not just crucified with Christ. We not only die a death like his, but we are united with him in his resurrection. We have new life here and everlasting life in the age to come. This is fantastic. I want to warn you about all a carte faith because all of these pieces fit together As we read the different sections of scripture so many times in one, there was a reference to another. You know, Jesus is being crucified. He's being called the king of the Jews. The triumphal entry leads to the crucifixion. Talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection in the same one verse, in the same sentence. These are interwoven. So all a cart faith is when you try to pick and choose little pieces of it. People want, for example, they want the close relationship with the Lord without making him king of their life. When Jesus says, jump, you should say how high. You got to make Jesus king of your life. Got to trust in him. Submission and trust are the same thing. When we obey Jesus, we're showing that we trust what he's saying. We're making him king over our life. That brings us into that deep relationship with him. Those two are intertwined. You can't have the close relationship without making Jesus king of your life. Some Christians want the resurrection life without submission to a death like Christ without being crucified with Christ. They want to hold on to their sinful ways, their selfish ways. They don't want to crucify that with Christ, or they don't want to make the sacrifices for the cause, for the cause of redemption, for the cause of Christ. They don't want to submit to the plan of God for their life. And yet they want resurrection life. Let me tell you, all of these fit together for the Christian life to work the right way. You need to make Jesus king of your life. You need to spend time with the Lord in your devotions, in worship, in connection with God, however it works for you, so that you can have that close personal relationship with him. You need to lay down the old and make the sacrifices for the cause of redemption. And then you need to trust in new life now and everlasting life. All of those things fit together. I think it's amazingly fitting that we finish off our Resurrection Sunday service by receiving Holy Communion. Of course, this was something that was instituted by Jesus on the night of the Last Supper. The Last Supper was the bread broken for you and the blood shed for you. This is the Last Supper. It's a symbolism of the Last Supper and what Jesus has done for us. So 
On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said that this was his body broken for us. And he took the cup and he said that this was the blood of the new covenant that was shed for us. And he told us to do this in remembrance of him. So we remember what Christ Jesus did for us through Holy Communion. And I want to close with Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Because as we go through this life, it's not just the happy things. It's not just the triumphal entry. There's also the betrayal at the Last Supper. There's also the mocking and the the sacrifice of Good Friday. But there is the resurrection of Easter Sunday. And we need to persevere through the difficult things to receive the fullness of the promise. So I want to close with Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. So let me read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, that's crucified with Christ. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great plan of redemption. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, which is sufficient for each one of us individually to be fully and completely and totally forgiven and brought into a right relationship with you that we may walk with you in this life, receive everlasting life and be part of your great kingdom. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for us and we pledge our lives to serve you. We open our hearts to you as king. We pledge to stay connected with you, to pray, to worship, to read your word, to be conscious of you. Lord, we will walk through the suffering that's necessary, releasing the old, laying down the body of sin, but also taking responsibility to walk into the trials and the difficulties just like you did. Lord, because we have the same hope, the hope of the resurrection, the hope of everlasting life, the hope of redemption, and the hope of bringing other people into that glorious truth as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.